In the TIPBS podcast, you get great ideas and practical advice for educators. You can get more invaluable insights and free resources by subscribing to the TIPBS monthly newsletter. Visit www.tipbs.com and register your email address. Hello and welcome to Trauma-Informed Support. I'm your host, Dr. Kay Eyre. Building trusting relationships with traumatised students can be hard. Disruptions in their attachment means that they often push trusting adults away, testing our boundaries and patience. Our capacity to stay compassionate and inclusive in these moments requires us to stay connected to our values, to be authentic to who we really are and to remember why we do the work that we do. We explore these topics in our interview with Dr. Guy McPherson. Dr. McPherson is a psychologist specialising in the treatment of trauma and early psychosis. Over the last several years, Guy has dedicated himself to the study of trauma psychology, trauma therapy, post-traumatic growth, and most recently, the intersection of trauma and psychosis, specifically the signs of early psychosis. Guy is the host of the Trauma Therapist podcast, which brings together seasoned professionals in the fields of trauma, addiction, mindfulness and yoga to educate and inspire those just beginning their trauma-informed education. Guy is interviewed by my colleague, Dr. Gavin Krishnamurthy. I hope you find this informative and inspiring. Guy, thank you for speaking with me today. Well, thanks, man. I'm so uh, honored, actually, that uh, you're having me on. So uh, I really appreciate what you guys are doing. Thank you. Yeah, your podcast is great. So for those listening, um, it's the Trauma Therapist Podcast. Is that right, Guy? That is it. Yep. Yep. So make sure to check that out on iTunes. Very inspiring stuff. So I wanted to start with asking you about trauma. Uh, so for some people listening, this might be quite a new thing. Um, so what's a story or metaphor you might use to explain what trauma is and how it impacts on people, Guy? Well, I think uh, one of the first things and most helpful things for people to understand that uh, trauma is uh, helpful to look at on a continuum. One of the, uh, the, the most kind of the go-to definitions is that trauma is something that uh, seriously or severely threatens one's sense of self, threatens one's life, uh, threatens one's sense of safety, but also shifts the whole uh, kind of paradigm of their worldview in a sense. And But having said that, you know, one thing or something that might uh, cause you to be traumatized won't necessarily cause me to be traumatized. And I think therein lies uh, some of the, the, the tricky uh, bits, the, the, the difficulty, if you will, in understanding what trauma is. Oftentimes the go-to explanation is, or, uh, uh, you know, PTSD with combat veterans, you know, a lot, of co- a lot of individuals who go into combat maybe experience uh, life-threatening situations or uh, experiences with uh, IEDs uh, and come back and, and they're traumatized, but not everybody who does go into combat experiences post-traumatic stress disorder. 
Um, so it's having said that, it's it's we have to be careful to understand that one thing that uh, might cause someone to be traumatized won't necessarily cause another person to experience that same traumatization. Mm, that's a really interesting point. Um, and we talk a lot about how um, something that might be fairly benign for adults might seem quite life-threatening and serious for children, um, in th you know, through their perception. So that's a really nice point there, I think, about, um, you know, how trauma influences, you know, how trauma is perceived um, and well, how life yeah, yeah, I think, I think you hit the nail on, nail on the head there, and that's exactly what happened to me. Mm. I mean, at an early age, um, when I was like 10 and 11, I was bullied severely. Mm -hmm. And a lot of uh, parents, a lot of adults, you know, don't think bullying uh, is or can be traumatizing. But for me, it, it just kind of shifted the trajectory of uh, my self-worth, uh, how I approach relationships, my trust, my self-trust, my self-identity uh, in a sense. So it had a pretty serious impact on, on me. And I got a really good dose of this in kind of my last placement at a community clinic where we were working with uh, kids and we would take these uh, calls uh, from therapists. We get these phone calls from therapists or family members or school teachers and they were kind of calling about a, a kid and letting us know what was going on, what symptoms were going on. And, you know, 99.9% 99, 99 .9 of the cases it was trauma happening mm. and when that wasn't mentioned and we kind of inquired about it uh oftentimes people uh just would pass over oh yeah you know they were bullied or uh there was this uh, interaction you know they witnessed some domestic violence or something it, a lot of times it doesn't uh register as mm. that which can be traumatizing for a kid so you bring up that good point. I think that's something that needs to be uh, understood as well. Yeah, uh, I was going to ask about that. So in that sort of um, area, what do you think the, the most common misconception is or misunderstanding about the impact of childhood trauma, do you think? Uh, again, I think it's that uh, what might be or could be traumatizing to one person uh, could not be traumatizing to someone else just because I think something is not a big deal, you know, bullying, big deal, it's nothing. That doesn't mean that that young kid hasn't not only been impacted or affected, but traumatized. Mm. Um, so I think it's, again, what comes up, what comes up is, is listening and not only listening to the, the young kid, but looking for being aware of maybe certain signs and symptoms, you know, a decrease in functioning, academic or social mm -hmm. isolation and so forth. Uh, so just becoming aware. And I think these kinds, you know, what you're doing here, the service you're providing can serve to kind of increase that awareness. Yeah. And so what roles do you think schools and education play in that um, recovery or even screening for um, those sort of symptoms, do you think? Or? What roles do I think they play? Yeah, I, mean, yeah. Yeah, I think it's, uh, I mean, that's, that's kind of a hot button topic because mm -hmm. I think a lot of schools um, have the potential to have a huge role in creating a, a culture of safety 
but from my experience, it's so challenging. It's so difficult. Um, again, uh, you know, I've encountered a lot of kids have been bullied and, and, the, and the schools just don't do anything. And again, I, I'm generalizing here, but a lot of schools don't. Um, and I think it's, it's so important. I think they need to take the lead in creating a culture of kind of zero tolerance. And, uh, you know, what's entailed, how that's put into place is certainly not my specialty, mm. but I have been on the other end of it and seen um, parents not knowing where to turn, mm. you know, not having the resources or, or, or the recourse to take effective steps to pre- prevent anything from happening. Mm, yeah, uh, our, our latest um, newsletter that um, Kay helped to put together, she, it was on bullying, and there's a really nice video there that you know makes this distinction around when to be assertive and when bullying just steps into just being a crime, um, and yeah, when it's right. completely unacceptable. So that's, it's, yeah, it's really good, and it's really up to the adults, really, isn't it, to step in and um, safeguards the safety of the kids, really. And even, even doing some kind of preventative work with your kid, you know, teaching them what's acceptable, what's not acceptable, and how to respond. Mm. Because I'll tell you, um, this, uh, you know, this kind of borders on being politically incorrect, yeah. but oftentimes, you know, bullies are really physical. They can be a certainly verbal, but there's certainly this physical, um, threatening right the, 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 the what what tips it over into the bullying scale rather than just being kind of harsh talk is this power dynamic right if someone has this power over you that doesn't necessarily mean that they're physically larger than you but maybe they have this power dynamic over you and oftentimes that does a lot to just shrink someone's uh, uh self-worth you know and words sometimes just don't work kids need to know that they can stand up for themselves mm. um and, and of course that opens up a whole other can of worms but it's so it's a really serious topic yeah it, it really is and and for people to respond you know with kindness and compassion and protection to the person being bullied and the person doing the bullying as well i think um and that's sometimes where things get lost but yeah yeah, there's a lot to it, I think, there. I, I wanted to ask you, Guy, um, about the story you share about your brother and um, his service and how it's really shaped and influenced your work. Yeah, my brother, um, for those of you who don't know, was in the service. Um, he was in the Navy. He was uh, a Navy SEAL, Special Operations, and uh, just was you know all of the all over the place uh, missions and he, when he came back um, from Iraq he was just I mean he had he came back with PTSD and he was just so uh, impacted negatively I and mean, it, it impacted his relationships his, his his marriage and when he came back and I I saw this, I didn't know what was going on this was kind of a well, way before I got. In, in, involved with psychology and knew what was going on. I mean, certainly, I've heard of PTSD, but I, I really didn't have the awareness certainly that I do now. But I knew something was wrong, and kind of simultaneously, I was in my own process of trying to figure out 
you know, what the heck I was going to do with my life and uh, where my, my courage was, where my strength was. And um, I had started taking these uh, trips to find out. And I mean, I, I should share that uh, what, what kind of inspired me to do this was that I had been writing fiction and for a number of years and out of the blue one day I'm sitting at my desk I get this call from this uh this old friend of mine this woman I hadn't spoken to in a couple of years but we had worked together previously and it turned out she was calling her friends to let them know that she had had been living with AIDS and she was basically saying goodbye and I was just blown away by this phone call. I mean, really what, what blew me away was the courage in her voice, the strength in her voice, the way with which she was dealing with this inevitability, which was death, basically. And I got off the phone, and it was a pit in my stomach, both for her situation, but also for this realization that I felt I didn't have that strength, and I didn't have that courage, and I needed to find it. So I, I decided that I was going to find it somehow, and I started uh, I went on this vision quest, you know, and then I started doing these, these other kind of adventure trips to kind of take myself out of my comfort zone. And on one of these trips, which ended up being this, uh, which was, which, which was a survival course, one of the members on the trip became seriously ill. Mm-hmm. Myself and this other, uh, member, this girl, we helped this guy, we carried this guy, and we just kind of encouraged him and talked to him. And it was in that moment, and I was like, this is what I want to do with my life. And kind of concurrent with this, my brother had come back and he was going through his own uh, processes and um, kind of fallout, if you will, from his relationships, marriage and so forth. And I trauma, this idea of helping someone in kind of a dire situation, I felt that I could do that. I didn't know that I could do, but I just felt, or I knew in my core that I could and wanted to help people in that type of situation. And, and that's what started it. And it certainly, my brother's experience really has given me appreciation for uh, veterans, people who, who you know, serve in the military and, and what they go through. And as a result, I mean, I have a whole kind of faction of the interviews that I do on my podcast with veterans and people who work through veterans. So. Mm, yeah, that's really interesting. And to start to that, how do you think, uh, what have you learned about how trauma impacts a person's sense of purpose or spirituality? That That is a, a great question. I mean, um, I happen to have done my um, uh, dissertation on that exact topic. I don't know if you knew that, but it, it was on, I interviewed, um, Iraq combat vets mm. uh, co- who had come back with PTSD and their their sense of meaning, and it completely just does a 180 on their sense of purpose, on their sense of meaning. Uh, a lot of the in- individuals, I in fact, all of the uh, individuals I talked to had completely shifted their sense of uh, quote unquote God, of their God. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and meaning. It's just, how could something 
like this happened to me? How could God, you know, that person I had valued, adored, prayed to, allowed something like this to happen to me? And it completely upends one's, one's core sense of being and meaning and purpose. And when you're looking at that, when you, when that starts to enter into the, into the conversation, it brings into the discussion, uh, and this whole topic of, uh, of, uh, existentialism in a sense of what is, what is life? What is, what means anything to anyone to me? Yeah. And, 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 you know, a lot of, um, children, even young people think about this stuff quite a bit as well. I mean, I think sometimes when you see the way they behave or how emotionally mature they are, you sometimes brush this stuff off. But, um, you know, I think a lot of them, even with a little bit of prying, have lots of existential questions about why it is that they get to experience what they have or why things are happening in their life at the moment. And uh, this, this, uh, you know, really kind of makes me think, Ovind, of the importance of the, the, the therapist or the trauma worker and how they approach and respond and react to and relate to the, that person sitting in front of them. And this is where, uh, the topic of, uh, you know, authenticity comes into play. Uh, presence comes into play. The work, the inner work that we as trauma workers do on ourselves is going to enable us to meet that person and make that connection kind of for, help forge or reforge, uh, that meaning in that person's life. That to me is the exciting part of, of the work we do. Mm. Uh, uh, because this, this idea of meaning is, is so important. I mean, my ability to kind of like walk or step into that uh, what I call kind of the, the trauma circle with that, with the client that I'm working with takes uh, a certain amount of vulnerability on my, my part. It takes a certain amount of willingness to be a human on my part, you know, to take off that, uh, that, that, that clinical hat, not throw it away, but just take it off and set it down along with my briefcase full of my agenda. And enter into that space where I can be a human uh, with that person, because that's what's called for in these situations. Mm. So I'd love for you to speak a bit more about that. I mean, what do you see the role of um, personal growth for professionals working with traumatized, um, you know, students, children, people? Um, you know, in the program, we often talk about how working with um, sometimes the challenging kids is, you know, both personally and professionally pushes us to grow um, and search for new ways of thinking about the world. And um, I wondered how you thought about that. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great question. And it, it really depends on um, our, our willingness to grow. I mean, I think there's an opportunity at every or with every individual we, we work with to, to grow. But what, what I've found, what I've really learned from, from all the amazing people that I've, that I've interviewed is that, you know, it's not so much, um, you know, me understanding all these different modalities and interventions and reading all these books. Yes, you know, that is invaluable and, and necessary and important, of course. But, the other, the other side to this part of doing this work 
is my willingness to, again, be myself, you know, be vulnerable and allow myself, uh, and of course, you know, ethically and with boundaries, mm-hmm. but the, the, the willingness, the courage, I think it takes to allow myself to step into that, that relationship and allow myself to feel. Again, not to be completely, um, you know, hyper, uh, aroused or again, this is, this is the limits. I'm, I just want people to understand me, but I am saying to, to be human, you know, to engage. And when that, when I allow myself to do that as a therapist, as a psychologist, as a person, I'm going to grow from that. Um, uh, several months ago, um, I, I, about a year ago, my mother passed away. And I took a, I took a, I took a week off. Okay. And I had been, you know, working with kids and I went back to work and began seeing clients and I kind of thought I was ready to see clients. Um, and I had a session with a client that I had been seeing for maybe a year. Okay. So this was a client I knew well. And this particular client started talking about uh, their own experience with a relative who passed away. And were as previously that wouldn't have triggered me, I became like, boom, I just felt it in my body. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa, this is, you know, what is happening here? So I had to remove myself from work. I wasn't ready to get back to work. And, um, what happened as a result of that was, uh, I think, an appreciation for being willing to do my own work mm-hmm. and continuing to, to to do my own kind of inner work. And when I, you know, that I just want to be specific about what that is. That's that's about listening to uh, myself, my own traumas, my own triggers, um, and and being willing to act on that. So I think. You know, getting back to your question, yeah. I love this topic, but I think it, it, it's, it's a, an amazing opportunity for, for self growth. And, and, but we have to be willing mm. to, to step out onto that ledge in a sense. Yeah. It reminds me, I think there was, um, you'd done an interview with Edward Tick, was it? Yes. Um, yes. yeah. And he speaks about how we're on that journey with them. And that's such a nice story. Um, that you tell there because we're, you know, we are, our professional lives and our personal lives are not separate. They're right there together and, and we're, you know, searching for meaning in both arenas. So we really are, um, with our kind of students or clients or whoever it is on this journey with them really, isn't it? And it's about our willingness to be open to that as well. It's so true. And I think, you know, to say that is one thing, but to really, adopt that stance is is a completely different stance than you know i'm a therapist or i'm a psychologist and i have gone to school for so many years and i know the x y and z which all may be true but to move into the to the room or to move into the session or the relationship with that perspective or or holding that bearing is a completely different uh, i would say uh, distancing mm. stance than saying, I'm going to be on this journey with you. Mm. You know, I'm willing to, uh, uh, to take this 
to take this step with you, to take this adventure with you, mm-hmm. to discover and explore and, and, and understand that you are the expert in, in the story of you, not me. That's a very different stance to approach uh, this work with. And I think it's it's so necessary when we're, when we're dealing with individuals who have been traumatized too. Yeah, that's great. That's really good for, um, yeah, I think we hear this a lot in the mental health and psychology, but I, but I don't think you hear it a lot for teachers and educators. And I think they're just as much impacted by a lot of this. So thank you for that. Um, so there's a um, quote from one of your podcasts. I think it was an interview with, and Tonya Bassett, where she says, the body will be saying things a million times louder than our client's words. I huh. wondered if you could speak to that and what that meant. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I mean, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's just so, I think, so powerful. And I think it's, first of all, it speaks to this uh, fundamental foundational understanding that trauma uh, is resides in the body. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think, first of all, that is maybe new for a lot of people to understand. What do you mean trauma resides in the body? Well, what you know, we know now, what we've been finding out is, uh, neurobiologically, it's, it's said that the trauma, the experience lives in, uh, the, the central nervous system. And what does that mean? That means that we can very effectively, uh, shut out uh, the experience from our, our brains in a sense, but that doesn't mean that it's, it's gone from how we respond, how we live, how we carry ourselves, uh, what we respond to. And it's very important for us as trauma workers to, uh, invite our clients to understand that and to have a respect for an awareness of how our clients are moving through the world, how uh, they're treating their bodies, how their bodies are responding, what their bodies are saying to them, the, uh, you know, the, the symptoms that are moving through their bodies. That, that's a great piece of uh, you know, education we can give to our clients. But also, we have to, as, as trauma workers, as clinicians, be able to take that in uh, be aware of that when we're in the presence of, of that particular client. Pay attention to that. Be aware of that. Learn to uh, listen and see uh, how, how that their body is responding and reacting. Yeah, and, and this kind of idea of perhaps being attuned uh, to kids or to clients, you know, about not just what they're saying, but just how they are and how their bodies are and, you know, how hyper-aroused or whatever they're getting, because those are really powerful moments where you can pick up on that and offer some reflections. And a lot of times it, it, it asks us to develop um a, a different type of trust. You know, it, it asks us to develop a, a, a tr- an awareness first mm-hmm. and then a trust about how we're feeling and a real, a knowing of how we're feeling. I, I had an experience recently. I was on a trip. Um, I went, I did some, uh, uh, hiking and backpacking and mountain climbing recently. And part of this trip, there was a ropes course. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's like these crazy, uh, crazy, but it, it, for me, it was really crazy. It's these, you know, the, 
these ropes are up on these like kind of telephone poles and they're different traverses and of uh, kind of increasing difficulty and challenge. And the idea of doing something like that just scared the heck out of me. But I knew I wanted to challenge myself. So I was, I was up there and uh, on this, on this course, we had these two guides, you know. So here I am, you know, I'm up there and traversing one of these, uh, these, these ropes, these wires, and I'm, I'm, I'm hooked in. I'm in latching. I'm not going to fall, but still you're, you're up pretty high. And at one point I stopped and I was just like, just kind of bracing myself, you know, breathing. And the guide, he, um, said something just, it was just brilliant. It was like, guy, you know, how are you doing? And he, he was kind of a little far back. He said, and I said, I was like, I'm doing okay. He said, what is, what is your body saying to you right now? Brilliant, right? And I said, I had a checking with my body. But first, my head, right? My head was, my head, the story was going. It was going, guy, what are you doing? You're nuts. You're way up here. You're scared. You're freaking out. You can't do this. Or it's this negative story that I had going on in my head. But my body was, I was pretty calm. Mm. And I, but I wasn't listening to that or hadn't been listening to that. And as soon as he said that, it allowed me to check in mm. my body. And it's like, well, my body's fine. Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm cool. You know, I can do this. And it's that type of, invitation for us to listen to our bodies which we normally don't do that's not a kind of our go-to checking with ourselves right it's usually the the, the 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 story we have going into our head takes all of the the energy and takes the stage if you will so anyway <laughs> yeah no that's really great i mean we have lots of check-ins and check-out kind of things that you know we try to get teachers to do but that's a really different way to think about it i think because in terms of checking into your own body and um that's a much more concrete way i think for sometimes for students to think about how they're feeling because feelings can seem really abstract and you know strange so that yeah that's really great thank you yeah um, so I wanted to, so you've spoken with a lot of people on your podcast about lots of novel treatments to PTSD and trauma. Uh, I was wondering if you could speak to some of the new modalities that you've been learning about through your interviews. Maybe there's, you know, I mean, there's a plethora. I mean, as you mentioned, I mean, uh, David Grand uh, is one of the first ones that comes to mind. He's doing something called brain spotting, which is very similar to EMDR, but um, not as I should say, or he sh he would describe it as not as uh, quote unquote time consuming. Mm -hmm. That's something that also uh, utilize. If people are not familiar with uh, EMDR, it's eye movement desensitization reprocessing, and it's it works. They actually really don't know specifically how it works, but what is involved is kind of this back and forth movement of either a finger or a wand and that somehow triggers uh, the brain to uh, kind of desensitize or mitigate or dilute the intensity of the trauma. And what he's doing is something similar, but um, uh, that's something that's uh, kind of new and out there. And um, I think a lot of really, Govind, what, what really has struck me 
is that, you know, I had Kathy Steele on, and she's a you know, world-renowned uh, international speaker and, and uh, expert on dissociation and trauma. And something that she said really struck me, and this was a recent interview, you know, she said she's been doing this work for literally uh, decades, I think 30 years, she said. She said, I don't, I don't use interventions. I use my relationship. Mm. And I think that above anything else, above all else, has been the theme that's kind of emerged mm. with these individuals who've been doing this work for years and years and years. And it's, again, it's not to discount the, the specific interventions, but it's really to highlight the importance of uh, our humanness in this equation, if you will. Yeah. And for, for me, when I got to school, um, I, w I was like uh, so just naive and, and, and if I could say I was just stupid. I was like, I didn't value that. You know, I just didn't value that. I was like, where's the book? that I need to read? Where's a workshop that I need to take? Where's this, the, the conference that I need to go to that's going to teach me kind of this external learning that I need to learn? I didn't value uh, my beingness, in a sense, my human beingness, which which to, to kind of steal from Manuela Mishka reads, and she uses that word, you know, this human beingness. And I think that is it is a different um, challenge for us because again it, it's asking us wait a minute what do you mean I have to be myself or I have to what about page two thirty eight on you know Bessel van der Kolk's new book that brilliant intervention which it is right but I, you know I want to use that with this client I you know you you have you read these books and you take these you learn all this stuff and you kind of Almost carry the book into you with your, with your client, with the session you want to kind of overlay it onto, to the inter intervention and what's, what's happening. But the, the other part of this is, is stepping into this and allowing ourselves to, to be ourselves. That to me really ha has just so floated to the top of mm. all of these interviews. And the, the, the next question is, well, why is that so difficult? For us mm -hmm. uh, why is that so challenging for us especially new therapists mm -hmm. because because it it almost demands us to look at our own stuff mm -hmm. you know and that's not always easy yeah and really sort of acknowledge the shared humanity really of how um, we all feel and we all are in the world and how what you know the what impact the terrible things have on all of us and how we would all respond um, mm -hmm. Yeah, because, you know, on, on one hand, if we as therapists approach this relationship um, from a, a quote-unquote traditional aspect, it, the relationship is almost imbalanced or unbalanced because we are the holder of the information. You know, we are the experts. You know, whatever our uh, licensure is, you know, we, we have the knowledge and we're stepping into this room or whatever it is with with this person and we're going to impart this information and that that kind of illustrates a kind of an imbalanced relationship but if we approach it from this different way you know from what you're saying you know uh 
guiding, walking, sharing this journey with this individual, then it becomes balanced. And it, it's asking us to take part in that relationship in a very different way, almost being responsible for how we are, who we are, what we're feeling. And that that's asking us to do something different, almost to feel. And that that's, whoa, what do you mean? I have to feel, I have to be, I have to, you know, uh, share in this experience. That's a, that's a very different dynamic in a sense. And it's asking us as clinicians to do something else. Absolutely. And, and, you know, for some of these, um, children or, or clients that sometimes that's the only option in terms of really being able to help them is to actually be able to open yourself up to that because the more blocked you are, the, the harder the time you're going to have and um, less benefit they're going to reap from it, really. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. All right. You may have spoken to this already, Guy, but I was wondering what you were currently curious about in your work. What are, I mean, it's, it's, it's how do we as trauma workers learn how to do that? How do we uh, do that inner work. Or you, you know, we, we throw that work, that, that word around, that phrase around. What does that mean? You know, being authentic, being present, being compassionate. How do we cultivate that, uh, as, uh, as clinicians? And I'm not talking about self care. I'm not talking about going for walks and deep breathing, although those are certainly contained within what I'm talking about, but I'm talking about you know, doing the work on ourselves, being willing to look at my own biases, at my own fears, at my own traumas, um, being willing to learn how to ethically and with boundaries, in a sense, with ethical boundaries, uh, express my own humanness to my client or with my client. Mm-hmm. That, that does take some work. Um, and I think, you know, we have to do this ethically. Again, I'm not, I'm not calling for, uh, just this outpouring of emotion. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that's, maybe that's what friends are for, right? But yeah. as, as a clinician, as a trauma worker, there, this has to be done with a certain, uh, boundary or container. And, and that takes work. I mean, that to me is fascinating. Being able to be, um, myself, being a human, uh, and to, to step into this journey with someone else is just is, is profound. Yeah, and that could even start with something really as simple as having a mentor to help you reflect on your work or, um, you know, uh, God forbid, actually, you know, seeing a psychologist yourself or, yeah. <laughs> or anything of that sort, really. Um, and, and it, yeah, it does help you grow with that personal development, professional development, or, you know, it becomes very hard to hold the hope, really, for um, the kids and families and, and your clients. Yeah. And I think having, uh, a, a community, and that could be a community of, of one or two or three people that you can bounce ideas mm-hmm. off of or, or just go to and reflect back on experiences is crucial. Um, but, but that reflection, that bouncing back you have off of that other person really is informative and allows you to, uh, check in with yourself to see you know, where you're at, what, what, where your blind spots are, maybe, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so that, that, that aspect of it, this aspect of the work, uh, it just so excites me 
um, be, because it's, you know, it, it's just funny because it just, I, I was just launched back, Govind, into that story I was telling you about my friend and she, she called me about that courage, about that, that strength that she had. Cause I think it requires us to be courageous as trauma workers to have a certain amount of strength and a certain amount of, um, ability to say, you know what? I don't know. I don't know what the answer is in this particular situation, but, uh, I, you know, let's, let's sit here together in, in trust and hope in, in knowing this in, in the process that, that can unfold. That's great, Guy. Thank you so much for speaking with me today. I'm sure our listeners are really grateful for your wisdom and advice. Really interesting stuff. Um, were there any resources or um, links you wanted to direct our listeners to before we finish today? Yeah, I mean, certain people are certainly willing to check out a podcast, the Trauma Therapist Podcast, um, or uh, you know, my website, traumatherapistproject.com. There's a bunch of resources there. Um, that they can check it out. And uh, if you want to hit me up, email me, I'd be more than happy to uh, talk to you. Yeah. Thanks again, Govin, for, for having me on. I mean, again, it was an honor. I appreciate it. Thank you again. I hope we get a chance to speak again. Thanks, Govin. Thank Take you. care. Bye. That was our interview with Dr. Guy McPherson. Thank you to Dr. McPherson for volunteering to share his wisdom and experience. To access the resources and websites discussed in the interview, check out the show notes by visiting www.tipbs.com. If you're enjoying listening to our podcast, please rate and review it on iTunes. Your ratings really do make the difference. Thanks for listening. See you next time.